Welcome to the Space for Magic podcast, where people who are led by their hearts come to learn the secrets to receiving all the gifts the universe has for us. I'm your host, Patty Lennon. I'm an ex-type A corporate banker turned intuitive coach. Using a blend of common sense, brain science, and just a dash of magic, I am here to help you create abundance in every area of your life and business. Welcome. Hey everyone, welcome to the Space for Magic podcast. Patty, your host here with a very special guest. Someone that you've heard about in the past a bunch of different times and someone that I think has some insight you're really going to be interested in. So my guest today is my brother, Jim Manning, who is also... And before I say what he does, I'm just going to say, hey, parents, um, this is probably not an episode that you're going to want to listen to with your kids. I know I'm usually really good with putting out appropriate content that the whole family can listen to, but this is one where if there are kids listening or they're in the room, just you know, stop the podcast, listen to it when you can listen to it privately. My brother is, among other things, a professional Santa and probably the one person in the world that I can tell you honestly embodies the magic of Santa year round. He is here to share insights on what Santa would have to say about the time we're in, as well as insights on what it's like to be in a family with me. So with that, welcome, Jim. Thank you so much, Patty. I'm very glad to be here. This is a crazy, crazy time for you, right? Uh, yeah, we are less than six weeks away from Christmas. And if it's no shock, it's going to be a very different Santa Claus season this year. So before we jump into the insights you have, because you know you always have these amazing stories um, during this time of year um, that I always that always bring tears to my eyes. And I want to share some of those with you, know, you that's the person that's listening. But before we get into that, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, what it's like to be in family relationship with me, because I think there's this, you know, I try and do a good, good job of admitting my flaws, but I think we all have our blind spots. And I think you have a lot of insight into what I really like. I might know a thing or two, you know, it's it's only been 44 years of, of, of being Patty's brother. Yeah. So I told a story in our private Facebook group that people just found so fascinating. And it was about the the spatula award in our family. So I am not going to tell the story the way I told it. I'm going to let you tell the story. And so, you know, obviously you guys all know listening that my, my our father passed away last year. And so the spatula award came out of a day, Jim, was it the day after he passed away? I can't remember um, when you guys came down. Yeah, because he he passed away in the morning. We came down that evening. And then the next day we were in the condo clearing it out. Okay. So you listening, you know, if you've been listening for a while, you've heard my version of what this journey has looked like. Now, Jim, why don't you tell how the spatula award came to be? So, you know, it's interesting. Whenever I think of the spatula, I think of, you know, as Patty has mentioned, both of our parents have passed. And it's interesting, the things in our family that mean 
the objects that mean some things to to others that don't necessarily mean something to me. And and the spatula. Growing up, uh, my mom was a great cook, and she would make French toast on Saturday mornings. And she had this spatula, and it was mottled, and it was kind of orangish red. But it was, it was. I knew when I saw the spatula, like we were going to have French toast that morning. And of course, my mom made the most amazing French toast. Fast forward, we are at the condo. We just lost our dad. You know, it was a very difficult time. We had lost our mom eight years ago. And you think, okay, I'm prepared for this. We've already lost one parent. But you lose your dad and it's it's a completely different experience. So Patty is a little tougher than I am, let's just say. Um, I am, uh, if, if it came, if it came to who's the more sensitive one, you know, she, uh, I, I, I went in the landslide, but, and that was hard because there was a lot of stuff that had to be done. We had to clear out anything from just like the refrigerator to, uh, you know, you know, getting, getting, getting old furniture and, and things out to the curb. And then there was just tons of stuff. And, you know, in hindsight, Patty could see all that needed to be done. And I couldn't. I was in the midst of the grief, and I, all I could see was was memories of, you know, memories of of my childhood and and my life with with my with my father, with my parents. I forget what I was exactly assigned to, but I found the spatula, and it was a okay, source of I'm joy. Gonna, I, oh yeah, I'm yeah. I'm going to interrupt you. I'm going to yeah. tell you what you were assigned to. <laughs> Here we go. So, because this will give everyone insight to how. I actually talked to you. <laughs> so so, so we, were, we were there. It was me and Jim and his wife, Sonia, and our cousins who are cousins slash really siblings. So Amory and um, Tony. And really what we were trying to do was get out everything that would go bad or get underneath any bills that might need to get paid. So you, Jim... We're assigned to the dry goods section to get all the dry goods into bags so we could bring them to the food kitchen. Okay, go on. Go all on right. with your time. So somewhere along the, the the journey to the dry goods, I found the spatula. And this story gets told a lot in the family. Okay, wait, for, wait. Oh, I yeah. got to interrupt again. Yeah. The spatula, everyone, the spatula was in the kitchen. The closet where the dry goods were, were in the entryway. So... He hits you hit the entryway first. You would have to go into the kitchen to find the spatula. Jim was assigned to an area that he hits before he gets to the kitchen. So he found his way to the spatula, but you understand it wasn't in the path of where he was assigned to be. Go ahead. Well, you know, we'll probably end up talking about this. I have ADHD. In my mind, I was like, oh, there might be dry goods in the kitchen that I've got to get to or just doing a general survey of the scene, organizing and focusing is not my strong point, st- strong point by any stretch. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure I, I glanced at the dry goods, but made my way to the spatula. And, you know, I had the spatula in my hand. And I remember just kind of walking around the and it's not a big condo, you know, it wasn't it was like the little living room, the dining room, everybody's working furiously. I don't remember not working. All I remember is is having the spatula in my hand and just trying to take in everything. And then comes the general, Patty Lennon. Because, folks, there are marching orders. There's assignments. We've all got an area. It's, it's almost like zone defense in basketball. 
and I was in the bleachers somewhere. Yeah, as you're telling the story, I realized like if they were giving out, if they were going to take all the executive functioning and like divide it up between <laughs> the siblings, clearly there was a, a disproportionate amount given to me that made me a little over the top. So yeah, yeah, she's Patty is is an amazing, wonderful woman. She's also a little bit terrifying at times. Uh, <laughs> years ago, when my nephew was less than two years old. We were spinning him around in, in Tony, Amory and Tony's living room. And I don't know what we did, but it, it, it definitely got, got Patty all riled up. And I was like, wow, this is, this is terrifying. I'm looking for somewhere to hide, somewhere to cover. Or was it maybe we were going to wake up one of the kids because there was balloons? Anyway, I'm going on a tangent. So, it was, uh, no, no, no. We're going to talk about this. Okay, people, <laughs> if you have kids. <laughs> so now I've got a baby, right? He was not two. You were not spinning him around. He, I have a baby, right? And I have a chance to leave this house. And we're going to do one of the things that is the most fun for me, which is to go to a haunted corn maze. And, but my son was a crazy person at, at bedtime. If he needed me, then he would just make me feel terrible for leaving. So we had finally gotten him down to sleep. He wasn't two. He was one. Or one and a half, because Katie wasn't born yet. They start blowing up balloons and popping them, people. Popping balloons for no reason whatsoever. (laughs) Go ahead. Well, I heard a tone in my sister's voice that I had never heard out of her mouth, but had certainly heard it out of my mother's mouth before. It was a, I, I don't even know if I could describe it. It was just, you automatically, you instantly felt, you instantly felt both guilty and terrified at the same exact moment, which is kind of a weird combination. And yeah, no, I, I learned very, very early on that uh, I needed to be just a little more aware of, of, of my surroundings. Let's just put it that way. So, but. So we're back to dad's condo yeah. and you're, you're so. wandering around with this spatula in your hand. Go ahead. So Patty gets frustrated with me. Everybody is getting stuff done. Apparently I wouldn't know. I am attempting to help as well. And my version of attempting to help was holding this 40 year old half broken mottled burnt spatula and wandering around as if that was what the most important thing needed to do. And in in all fairness, I was in the midst of grief and didn't really, wasn't really aware of my surroundings, just that this needed to be done. And I'm holding the spatula and I'm trying to like connect with, with the family. Uh, Sorry, I'm trying to connect with my dad, with my mom, you know, with everything's going on. It's completely overwhelming. And then in comes Patty and there's stuff to be done. And I said to her the famous words, I'm doing the best that I can. And that is what born was gave birth to much later on the spatula award. So, um, so yeah, so I'm going to tell my, so he's wandering around the condo and it was a small area. We could all see each other. He would pick up a box of pasta and like stare at it with the spatula in another hand and then put it back on the shelf. He had just picked it up from now in fairness to you, Jim, before that time, I hadn't really looked into the different ways people 
grieve like in a very specific functional way. Like obviously we, you know, I know the background on the process of grieving, but because you and Mary, my, my other sister, my sister was handling it very differently than me. I started to look up, you know, that data. And I did find out that when you have ADHD and you're deep in grief, that executive functioning gets even more limited. And it's, and so now I do have an appreciation for what you were going through, but at the time, all I saw was because, by the way, Jim doesn't live in the area. My cousins do, but they they don't live super close. So whatever didn't get done was still going to be on my shoulders. So that was part of my urgency. And so I see him doing this and I'm like, Jim, can you put the spatula down and just start bagging the, the stuff? And that's when he said, I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> doing the best I can. <laughs> So fast forward like a year, I think, you yeah. you message me and say, you know, the spatula broke and you have uncovered through deep research that that no normal human being I think would go through. You have found two, not one, but two of these 40-year-old spatulas available for sale. And the hard and you, part was that yeah, they weren't red. It became red over time. It was, I'm sorry, it was, it, it became orange over time, but it was red. That was the first two months of looking that tripped me up. Yeah. <laughs> I think all of you that have ADHD are really feeling this story. I bet. I bet you are like really, like you are totally vibing with my brother. So you find two spatulas and you say, Patty, do you, do you want one? And I said, no, Jim. I do not want a 40-year-old special. I didn't want the burnt one. I don't want the new <laughs> one, but thank you. Yeah. But that wasn't going to stop you, right? Oh, mm-hmm. no. Uh, you got to understand, this spatula is so well built. It's It's got the perfect size. I just used it last night making uh, pork chops. Um, it's got the right like weight to it. You know it's going to last. That's why I was a little bit heartbroken that, it, that you know, my mom's head had broke. Now... ADHD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. What a lot of people don't realize is that people with ADHD can hyper-focus on something if they're properly motivated. And I was hyper-focused on finding this thing. I was searching through eBay. I was Googling it. And I finally found a group on Reddit that help you to find things. And they found it in like 36 hours. I was so excited. And of course, there was two. Why would I just buy one? I got one for my sister. So even though I told him I don't want it, he gave it to me anyway. And that day, we decided to, rather than have it just sit on a shelf, we will make it mean something. And so what does it mean now, Jim? This is the spatula that is the doing the best I can award. And anybody in the family who is doing the best they can receives the spatula in the mail. And they know that they are the proud recipients of doing the best they can. And they can, they can wander around their house or their apartment holding it up, staring at boxes. It's, 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 very, it's a nice thing to, to possess. And for those of you who are amazed that I left my husband with the kids for a week in the middle of COVID and went to the cave by myself, I did leave the spatula in his desk right when I left because I knew by the time I got back, he'd be telling me he did the best he could. And let me tell you, man, his bar is a lot lower than mine. (laughs) I didn't know you left it for Matt. That's awesome. I did. All right. So, but it's back with me because out of all of us, I'm the one that has kids 
at home learning remotely. So I am the one who's doing the best I can. Although as you head into Santa season, that actually the spatula might need to go to you. (laughs) So now let's transition there and say, you know, one of the things I admire about you so much is just how, you know, society would ask you to go left and yet you still kept choosing right. You know, you kept choosing these non-traditional paths. So why don't you share a little bit about how you got to this place where you where you do the work you do today? Sure. In my life, I've always looked back and said, how should I have done this? Could I have made different choices? What path should I have been on? When I got out of college, all I wanted to do was travel. That was really what meant the world to me. I hadn't traveled that much at that point. And so while my friends uh, were were finding careers, finding paths, choosing choosing cities to live in, what I wanted to do was to journey, to travel, to see the world. I joined a program called AmeriCorps. It was the greatest year of my life. It was the most difficult year of my life. A team of 10 of us did volunteer projects uh, for a program called NCCC, and we were through the southeast part of the United States. We did anything from building houses to Habitat for Humanity to teaching in a rural middle school in Western South Carolina. It was an amazing year. I finished that up. I said, you know what? I've never lived in Asia. I should move to South Korea. So that's what I did. It was right after September 11th. It was, it was a strange time. I had no experience teaching English, but I, I went. And for the first month, it was kind of interesting. Then I got homesick and I struggled. And I had all these kids who didn't speak English and I didn't speak Korean and my job was to teach them. And while I was in Korea, one of the things that I had brought with me was my balloons. Now, at the, I had taught myself how to make balloon animals when I was 19. We're talking dog, sword, basic stuff. Out of pure desperation, I brought the balloons into the classroom and I started making the simple animals. And it was like a light bulb went off in my students' eyes, in my student. It was like a light bulb went off above my students' heads. I had something they wanted. It was these balloons. And they had to communicate with me in English and not just, hello, how are you? I'm fine. Me too. It was, I would like to have a dog. But they had to find the word to dog. They had to communicate with each other. They, it was this, it was a great moment. And it, 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 it changed my experience in Korea where teaching English was difficult to actually making a difference, you know. Uh, being able to to make a connection. I come back, I take a traditional job in Boston, running arts programs, and didn't work out. I got laid off. But when I got laid off, I won a plane ticket anywhere in the world. I went to Australia for six months to clear my head. I was in the outback. I meet these indigenous children. And again, the balloons. They'd never seen balloons twisted before. And I spent the day twisting with them, teaching them how to twist them. I was really struggling. I was 25 years old at this point. And when you're 25, you think you've got to have your whole life figured out. It, it, it doesn't occur to you that that's not the norm. But I'm thinking everybody else has got this figured out. I don't. But the one thing I'm good at is entertaining kids and making kids smile. I come back and I start my company, Jungle Gym. I had no business running a company. I had worked 55 jobs at that point because I would take a part-time or a full-time job. And after a few months, I would get bored and move on. This was before I got diagnosed with ADHD. In hindsight, it makes sense. But the experiences I had up until that point, nothing clicked except for this. I could make kids laugh and I could make kids smile. 
Now, interestingly enough, Patty, I, I don't know if you remember this, but Patty had a friend from college who asked me to play Santa Claus one December. I'm, I was in college. I think they were just a couple of years out. And they had the suit, and I dressed up like Santa for her two nieces. Now, I look back at pictures of that. I don't think I had a belt. Uh, the beard, you know, looked like I was a, I was a kind of alternative version of a Bigfoot. But <laughs> these little girls, I was Santa Claus. And it was amazing. It was really, it was special. And that, and that stayed in the back of my mind. So fast forward, I start Jungle Gyms. I was dressing up as costume characters, anything from pirates to, to you know, wizards, that kind of thing. One of my clients says to me, hey, do you play Santa Claus? Now, when you start a business and somebody offers you work, you say yes to everything. So do you play Santa Claus? Yes, yes, I do. Had to get a suit, found my first suit on Craigslist. And I remember purchasing it in this parking lot. And this woman had two suits, which I wish I bought because it was a good suit. And that December, I dressed up as Santa Claus. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, people are paying me to do this. I come in. I get to greet everybody. You know, a couple of good ho-ho-hos. And we were off to the races. And it was kind of fun. In 2004, I got the domain SantaBoston.com, which I didn't think was a big deal. But that helps send a lot of business my way. I'm going to, you know, slow down here for just a moment. But um, that, that was kind of the origins of how I became Santa Claus. I love that. And, you know, there's like so many pieces of the puzzle that aren't in that story. But for the sake of like moving to other juicier parts that I want to share with everyone, I'll fast forward it. But I would just also say I would imagine, I mean, I always admired your ability to to follow your dreams, Jim. But I would imagine like watching me be a banker and, you know, our sister be, you know, a social worker in very traditional roles and that and yet having dad who is an entrepreneur his whole life must have been very must have pulled you in a lot of directions it did pull me in a lot of directions I, I, it's funny you mentioned the banking you know my sister had this great corporate job she was she was she was doing everything she was supposed to do and then there's jimmy who's just out in left field moving jobs moving locations I mean, even Mary with the social work, like it, it had a very, you know, like she had a very good path and there was no, there was no path. I know the stress that it must have caused mom and dad. Um, I mean, I didn't think about it at the time, but it just, it was the only thing that clicked for me. It was the only thing that made sense. When I started Jungle Gyms, I had no idea what I was doing. When I started playing Santa Claus, I just knew that for the first time in my life, I, I was on the path that that worked. I was I was making a difference and I was doing something that I felt good about. And you know, the reason I'm I'm even bringing that up is I just know for a lot of people listening because I hear this from people like what's my purpose? What's my purpose? And I always say like your purpose is just who you are today. Like you bring your light to the world and you just are, but typically to feel like your your work matches your your soul you know, that's what people mostly are talking about with when they say their purpose. And I think your story is helpful to understand that the clues are always there. It's just, you know, you are a really good example of someone having the courage to follow the clues a lot earlier, but you can do that at any time. But at this point in your Santa journey, 
So for those of you like fast forward, Jim has invested significant amounts of money in his work. So how much is your Santa suit cost? This always like amazes me. Uh, yeah. So I have a number of different Santa suits uh, and they generally run anywhere between a thousand and two thousand dollars. Yeah. Holy moly. The wig and the beard is the real. Um, so just to give you an idea, for, for my Santa suit, it's not just the suit. It's a handmade leather belt that I had made by a leather maker in Montana. And I think I paid $300 for that. I have the $400 my motorcycle boots. Those are steel tip. When the child steps on my foot, it makes life a lot easier. I'm not a, a real bearded Santa. I'm a designer bearded. And we use Yaks hair. Thanks to another Santa who put me onto this, I was able to obtain a Yaks hair set because it's it looks like Santa Claus. It you don't know that it's 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 attached onto me. So the first the first Yaks hair beard was fifteen hundred dollars, and so on and so forth. Grippy gloves that allow me to turn the pages of the night before Christmas to you know spectacles that are real bifocals so that they look legitimate. Yeah, man, is like, and, and I have to say, even like for for my kids who have seen you their whole life, when we, you know, when we're there at the tree lighting in Boston, even they are still blown away. Like you really, you just embody Santa at such a deep level. And I know it's because it comes from the very core of your being, Jim, because you've always you've always embodied this magic in the world. Long before I even understood what magic was, you embodied it. So it's really amazing to see. So you always have some really good stories, some really heart uh, opening stories that I think, um, you know, I think all of us could stand to hear some stuff um, right now that just remind you of the goodness of humanity. Can you just share like one or two of those stories of kids and and ways that just like a simple, just like with you and teaching children in another country, how like a balloon can open their hearts to something that they just weren't interested in before. Just some stuff that's come up in your journey. It's the greatest privilege of being Santa Claus. At the end of the day, it's sometimes the crowds cheer and and sometimes there's these, you know, Great events, but the biggest thing is just simply that one-on-one with each child. And they're seeing Santa Claus. It's the magic of the season. Yes, Santa Claus is the one who brings the presents and the toys, but it's bigger than that for for all of us. And especially for children, it's it's not just the presents. It's it's the love. It's the fellowship. It, it's the bringing together of everything. And I think kids pick up on that much more so than you know, much more so than, than, than we realize. I meet so many good kids and I meet so many funny kids. And I want to tell you a story. I'm a private event Santa. So the majority of my work is in corporate events and, and going to people's houses. And I always like to park away because I don't like the children to see Santa Claus getting out of the car. So I'm walking through this part of central Massachusetts and I look over and I see a seven-year-old boy got no jacket on. I remember his cheeks were were red with the cold. And it was one of the little boys that I was going to be visiting at the party. He says, Santa Claus, I thought you were lost. I came to find you. And I, I was like, well, tell me your name, my young friend. And he says, I'm Tommy. I said, well, Tommy, thank you so much. Why don't you show me the way into the house? 
So Tommy and I walk hand in hand. We're chatting. He's telling me all the things that have happened that year, what he'd like to have for Christmas. They got a new puppy dog. It was all good sorts of good stuff. We open the door and all the children scream, Santa! And all the adults scream, Tommy! Because Tommy had left the house, not told anybody, without a jacket, and everybody was frantically looking for Tommy in the woods and couldn't find him. Tommy came out to make sure Santa could find his way there. That's one story. So you know what the story that always opens my heart so much is the one where I think this just happened last year, but it was the child whose unbeknownst to you, his father had passed, right? Yeah. So kids are pretty savvy. And I have a website, the phone number is on there. And every year, especially for the last few years, I get phone calls and text messages because the kids know to Google Santa Claus. And they find me. And I had just, I remember I was, I had just come out of an acupuncture uh, uh, session and my phone rings. And at this time of the year, I answer any, any number because I assume it's going to be somebody looking for Santa Claus. And it was a little boy named Roman. And he says, hello, Santa Claus. I wanted to tell you what I wanted to have for Christmas. It's not the first time I've gotten a call like this and it won't be the last. I said, well, it's very good to chat with you, Roman. Uh, tell me, what would you like to have for Christmas? Roman and I chatted for a few minutes, and that was that. A couple of minutes later, phone call from the same number. I assume it's Roman calling back. It's Roman's mom. And she says, I am so sorry. He grabbed my phone. He called you, and, and, and she didn't even know who I was. I said, well, I'm Santa Claus. I, I think that's what he figured out. And so she got a little uh, emotional. His dad had passed away a few days before. This was the day of his father's funeral. And on the day of his father's funeral, he decided he wanted to talk to Santa Claus. The mom was beside herself. I was kind of beside myself. It's hard to imagine being the Santa Claus in that moment was a bigger deal than I realized. And that's where being Santa Claus isn't just a calling, it's, it's a gift. I, I do what I do, and it's, it's pretty fantastic. And I like to think I make a positive difference. But I get much more out of being Santa Claus than I could ever, I could ever give back. I mean, Santa Claus for children, he can answer everything. He can bring you, he can bring you anything. And I was the one that little Roman turned to when when his dad had passed. I think the the story touches me so much too, because we, we just lost our dad, you know, and you, you want so bad, like even as a grown up, right. You just want so bad to have access to something that tells you that there's forces in the world that are magical, that, that the world is not as limited as it feels. And that's Santa Claus. And that's okay. Uh, and especially this year, I, yeah, I mean, this is, this is a time where, where I feel like we need Santa Claus more than ever. And Santa Claus is going to be coming very differently and that's okay. Um, but it's funny too, because this, you reminded me, Patty, I, it had, it was, it was less than nine months since dad had passed that this little guy called me. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And I remember when you told me that story, like it just touched me so much because it just felt like 
such a mirror for what you were going through as well as like a boy who lost his dad, you know, and that like, there's just so many ways where we can be giving magic to another person and and receiving it in the same moment. I know um, things have shifted this year because a lot of what you did was in-person events and, you know, just to brag a little about my bro, he's <laughs> he's he's a big deal in the Santa world. I mean, the city of Boston, he's their, you know, he's their Santa. He's the one that lights the tree. You know, we go up there for the big uh, tree lighting in Boston, and it's a beautiful it's a beautiful ceremony. And I know that you know you have like big corporate accounts, and so it's different this year. But what really just um, struck my heart is that even though you're this big time Santa, you're really, you made this offering available. So really any family could access, you know, well, I shouldn't say any family, but most families could budget to access like your magic, right? And so why don't you tell a little bit about why you shifted? And by the way, for those of you who do not, I should say this, I realize that Santa is not something that every culture embraces and every family embraces. And if you don't, I'm certainly not assuming you do. But for those that do, um, why don't you tell them a little bit about how you shift your offerings this year so that people could access this magic and, and the way they could do it? Okay, yeah, I'd love to talk about that. So this year is going to be a little bit different. This year, it's going to be virtual. And back when the pandemic hit in March, I had 100 shows lined up for the summer and all of those canceled. I didn't know what Zoom was, but in early May, I was asked to perform for a group of a small group of children on Zoom. And now I've been performing virtually since May. So there's a lot of different ways you can see Santa virtually this year. Um, what I'm going to be doing is offering families the chance to visit with Santa Claus on Zoom. And so people said, oh, wow, it's, um, is Santa going to, how disappointing. You won't get to see the children in person. It's going to be a little bit different. I'm actually really excited for this year and for the way the visits are going to go. Here's why. Yes, I'm definitely going to miss seeing the children in person. However, virtually gives us an opportunity to do some things that we wouldn't normally. So number one, when families hire me to do a virtual visit, they fill out a questionnaire. They can fill out as much or as little as they want. But now as opposed to me trying to figure out the child's name subtly or or their ages or, or things like that, now I know they've got a sibling. They just got a new puppy. They've been cleaning their room. They definitely need to work on eating their vegetables. All sorts of information that Santa wouldn't be privy to uh, on your regular visit. And that's really great. That's number one. Number two, a lot of children get shy around Santa Claus, especially the younger children. He's he's this big man with a big beard. You know, everybody's excited about him, but they're not so sure. Now he's through a screen. Now there's a chance to just, just take the pressure off. So I'm going to be offering these virtual visits. They're about eight minutes long. And they give children the chance to, to, to visit with Santa. Nice thing is, too, we can actually have grandparents zoom in. I know a lot of kids haven't gotten to see their grandparents. And the kids, when there's a visit with, a, when there's a visit with Santa Claus, 
the children are watching me and I'm kind of out of the corner of my eye seeing the parents and the grandparents because they love it. They see their kids excited. They say the funniest things. So, so there's actually a chance for, 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 for other family that wouldn't necessarily get to, to see their kids this year and their grandkids to, to zoom in as well. So as much as it's disappointing, we won't see each other in person. There is some great opportunity to have a, a good Santa Claus experience. That's awesome. And I think also there's a financial piece of it that makes it more accessible because to have someone like you, which by the way, I want to say, if you're wondering what he was doing over the summer, Jim also does children's educational entertainment, primarily in in libraries over the summer that isn't involved in Santa. There's other aspects of his business. But um, if you're wondering who books a hundred Santa visits in the summer, not enough, <laughs> but not a lot of people. They actually book him for educational training, entertainment that educates um, in the libraries. But um, I, I did want to clarify that for Thank people you. because I think they would have been like, who are these people booking Santa all year round? But normally to book you, it's hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And yet now families can access you for for like $49, right? $50. Right. Yeah. So it's $49. You get an eight minute visit. You fill out a questionnaire. We not only do I get to visit with the children, but we get to read a little bit of the night before Christmas. There's a lot of different ways that we can make the visit special. And, and yeah, I mean, Santa's a popular, Santa's a popular guy. And normally I'd be charging a much higher hourly rate in part because of travel. You know, you have to get to the event, you have to leave the event, you've got to set up. But Santa will be broadcasting from the North Pole this year, which is pretty cool. That's awesome. So where can people find out about you, Jim? What's the website you want to send them to? And we'll yes. put this in the show notes as well. Okay. Um, yeah, so I um, actually created a new website for the virtual experiences. It's SantaASAP.com. So that's S-A-N-T-A. ASAP.com. And you can find out a little bit more. You can book days and times. My information's on there. If you have any questions, you know, you're, you're, you're welcome to do that. But uh, every, everything you need will be right on SantaASAP.com. Awesome. Okay. So last thing, last question for you is, you know, in this time that we're in, because the thing I've been talking a lot about is just, you know, we're in this time that is you know, it's challenging for a lot of people, both because of the pandemic in the US, because of the, um, you know, political stuff going on. But there's just, there seems to be this growing divisiveness in in a lot of communities. And I'm curious what you would say, what is Santa's take on this? What is Santa's advice for the time we're in? Or what's Santa's outlook for the time that we're in? That's a great question. And as Santa Claus, I can tell you that right now, as difficult as it is, as challenging as all this time has been, this is a chance to be grateful. This is a chance to show gratitude. People have said to me, you know, oh man, it's not going to be the same. I'm like, no, Santa Claus visits aren't going to be the same this year. They're going to be different and they're going to be important. Santa doesn't just represent gifts, Santa or or toys. Santa represents love. He He, he represents fellowship. He's he represents a season where we can all come together. And right now we all need to come together. And Santa Claus, among other people, is a, an example. And he's an example to children. Santa wears a mask. You know, some people have been concerned, what do I tell my children? Like Santa's in the at-risk population. And how will he safely visit our house? 
And the good thing is, is Santa has Sandy bodies and he is protected just like the magic that allows him to get in and out of houses and down chimneys, just like the magic of, of delivering toys all over the world. Santa also has the magic to deliver presents and deliver joy and, and, and stay safe and make sure you are all staying safe. And this is, you know, Santa can't come unless you're definitely asleep in bed. So, uh, that's, you know, COVID precautions. You gotta be, you gotta get to bed early on Christmas Eve. That's awesome. Well, thanks for being here, Jim. And, um, for those of you listening, uh, if you do have Santa in your family's repertoire, then uh, check out my brother. He's amazing. And certainly, um, even if Santa isn't a part of your culture, I think the advice that we got here is important, which is we do have to figure out a way to come together. We really, truly do. Um, thanks so much for being here, Jim. I appreciate you so much. I am very happy to be here and I want to wish all of your listeners very happy holidays and I'm going to, I'll sign off with a good ho, 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 Merry Christmas, everybody. Hey, thanks for listening. If you know someone who needs to hear this message, please share this episode with them. And if you're feeling really generous, I'd love for you to leave us a review at your favorite podcast app. It helps us reach many more people and it fills my heart with so much joy when I hear what you have to say about what I've shared. I'm cheering for your success. Have an amazing day. And don't forget, always create space for magic. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM. Women's Voices Amplified.